Welcome to the Financial Leverage Point, hosted by John Iannucci, founder and CEO of ILG Private Wealth. In this podcast, we dive deep into the world of financially successful families. We offer candid advice on how to navigate the maze of strategies and products designed to protect, grow, and transition your wealth to your family, friends, and the causes you care deeply about. Join John and his guest experts as they unveil the crucial elements of comprehensive tax, estate, business succession, and financial planning. Strategies designed to give you sleep through the night confidence while maintaining a steady flow of wealth for you and your heirs. It was obvious from the start that John's podcast was not going to be any vanilla cookie cutter recitation of what it means to be a financial advisor. And this episode proves it. Today, we introduce a special recurring episode format, The Angry Advisor. Right. All right, John, why the title and where did the idea come from? Well, you know, Patrice, when I first got into financial services, I was coming out of a um, practice of law, private practice of law. And I, I really started right from the outside to realize that there's so many issues within financial services industry that really just infuriate me. <laughs> and they're usually an issue or a circumstance that I believe was intentionally designed to create confusion for the public. And I can't understand how and why certain large banks and broker dealers get away with these business models. And I think it's critically important for our listeners to protect themselves from certain advisors and certain strategies. The phrase angry advisor candidly came from my wife. <laughs> she said she was shocked at how personally I took many of these things because I had seen it done to my clients, new clients, a prior advisor or broker dealer had done something that really infuriated me. And I would rant for a while. And she said, you've got to do a podcast a segment called the angry advisor, because this stuff really makes you angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Through our conversations, you have made it very clear. You've got numerous examples of these situations. Oh God. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. So I'm looking forward to this. Where do you want to begin? What's the first topic today? Well, Patrice, the, the one topic that really gets me ramped up today is the subject of whether or not a particular wealth manager is a fiduciary. In the beginning, I was getting question by new clients before they became clients as prospects, asking me if I was a fiduciary, a fiduciary to them in connection with managing their investments. And of course, I started to launch into a litany of why I was a fiduciary and what that means to them. But then I, I started to ask some questions. To their credit, we're told we should ask if you're a fiduciary. Absolutely. You know, I, even Tony Robbins has a segment on you should only work with an advisor who is a is a fiduciary. That's right. You, you are told that. And, you know, candidly, there's so much advertisement about who is a fiduciary and who's claiming to be a fiduciary. Notice I said claiming to be a, a fiduciary. You know, as a practicing lawyer, I learned right from the outset what it meant to be a fiduciary and, and to have a fiduciary relationship with a client. And, you know, if you look at the textbook definition a fiduciary is a person who is bound to act for another's benefit, right? Okay. You're obligated, you know, to act for somebody else's benefit and put their benefit ahead of your own. All right. Financial services kind of makes sense, but where do we go with that? Well, that's exactly what I thought. You know, I thought, well, of course, everybody in financial services is a fiduciary. I mean, how could they not be a fiduciary? Right. 
And like I said, it, you know, between articles in AARP and folks like coaches like Tony Robbins, they're always saying work with a fiduciary. So when they ask me if I'm a fiduciary, I, I kind of smile and then ask them, I kind of turn the table on a prospect a bit and say, well, is your current ad advisor a fiduciary? And what's that mean to you? You know, I explained to them that I'm an investment advisor governed by the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, and that the SEC's regulations require me to act as a fiduciary. But I turn the table and say, well, is your current advisor a fiduciary? And, and tell me why you think they are. And? Well, what I've learned is that years ago, large broker dealers and big banks realized that the financial services industry was moving toward a fee-based relationship with clients. That model was becoming very popular. And of course, broker dealers are typically on a commission basis. They sell you a product or they sell one of your investments. They earn a commission. It seemed like the industry consumers were more willing to pay for a reasonable fee for financial services, particularly when that fee is tied to a percentage of their assets under management. If you do well for them, you do well for you. If you lose money for them, you lose money as well, right? So there's that connection. And I think clients were tired of being charged multiple high commissions for buys and sales, regardless of whether or not they made any money. And uh, you would know who these large broker dealers are. Gosh, they're on television every time you turn around. They have an office just about in every strip mall. So they decided that in order to prevent the industry, the, the consumers running away from their business model, and they realized they were losing significant revenue to fee-based investment advisors. They needed to do something about that. And so they shifted in order to shift, I guess I should say, some of their business model to fee-based relationship. They had to create what's known in the industry as a dual licensed broker. In other words, it's a representative that's licensed with both a broker dealer and is also licensed as an investment advisor. And so immediately brokers who were prohibited from claiming, prohibited from claiming they were fiduciaries, suddenly became fiduciaries overnight. Is what, it seems to me there is a conflict there. I mean, talk to me. Exactly. Dig a little deeper, right? Those very same advisors that are now claiming to be fiduciaries are still licensed with a broker dealer. And that broker dealer, I can assure you, 99 times out of 100, either directly or indirectly, still controls every aspect of that representative's relationship with his or her clients. You know, a broker dealer simply created a registered investment advisor so their reps could use the fee-based revenue with models. And as a licensed broker, however, that broker steal dealer still controls what products and strategies that advisor can recommend. The broker-dealer still dominates that overarching relationship and controls how the rep is compensated, the terms of his or her employment. They also do compliance review, the manner in which a, a rep can receive increases in compensation or qualify for certain benefits like a larger office, an assistant. So you can see where that conflict of interest really comes into play. Who approved this? Seriously, was it the SEC? Was it? So it was FINRA. FINRA actually allowed this to take place. And right now, FINRA and the SEC are banging heads over who's permitted to call themselves a fiduciary. You know, this dual license relationship, this aspect, this concept of having two masters 
you know, and it not working is over 2000 years old, right? In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus is quoted as saying, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. And I'm not being overtly religious about what this relationship should be like. I'm just saying that's precisely the situation that big broker dealers have created by permitting dual licensed reps. They can switch from one relationship to another, from one duty of care to another without disclosing it in writing. In fact, the SEC now is becoming a bit more aggressive in saying if you don't disclose it in writing when you change hats from being a broker to an investment advisor, oh. we're going to start fining you. And in fact, we're going to start clawing back some of the compensation that you earned if we find it to be in some form or fashion, you know, violative of that fiduciary standard, you know, but these broker dealers, they did it with their eyes wide open. They, they understand what they're doing. They understand the concept. And now they're authorizing their reps to claim their advisors, their advisors are, are fiduciaries. It's just not the case. I, as a consumer, how do I know which hat this person is wearing and whether they've got two hats hanging in their office? You're right. Well, you know, it, it's actually fairly easy when you know how to do it. First, you can always ask your advisor if they're a, a dual license representative. I mean, specifically, you can ask if they have one of these three licenses. They call them series license, a series six, a seven or a 63. If you have those, then you're licensed with a broker dealer. If they say, yes, it's my firm position as a practical matter, as a legal matter, it's impossible for that dual licensed rep to be a fiduciary to their clients, period, end of story. Unless they are disclosing in writing the conflict and when the conflict arises and what the conflict is every single time, then they're not a fiduciary. And don't be fooled by an advisor who tells you that they're actually an employee of this big bank or of XYZ broker dealer, because I've seen that recently. That really infuriates me. <laughs> they claim to be an employee that doesn't have any real interest in what services or products you choose. You know, it's the latest attempt, I think, to confuse the public. You know, they, they might claim, the rep might claim that they're an employee and aren't compensated based upon increasing the amount of assets that they manage or the mutual fund or insurance policy you purchase. They are employees on a salary, they may claim, and I say bullshit. Simply follow up with a question like, how do you qualify for a bonus or an increase in salary? Do you qualify for any trips or benefits? And how do you qualify for those benefits? It's all nonsense designed to confuse consumers into believing they're working with an advisor who is focused solely in their best interests. Is there another way to check? Yes, there is. And so every consumer, every successful family, every high net worth family should get used to using a website where you can check. And it's called brokercheck.com. In fact, the full website will post below brokercheck.finra.org, pardon me, is the exact address. Mm -hmm. But we'll post it for people to go. And you can go there and check your advisor's record. You know, broker check is a service that's maintained by FINRA and FINRA technically is an independent non-governmental agency that's a regulator for all the securities firms doing business with public in the United States. So, you know, it's authorized by Congress to protect America's investors. And so they run this website. 
And as advisors, we're obligated each year to submit certain forms. So if you go to that website, you can actually enter an advisor's name and up will pop that advisor's name. You'll have to locate them by city because sometimes people have common names. But once you locate them and click on it, it will tell you if it's a dual licensed broker, if they have a relationship with both a broker dealer and a registered investment advisory firm. I love database sites. Tell me more. Absolutely. What, what else is in there? So it's it, the other thing that's really great in there is that website will also list any complaints that have been made by former clients or current clients against that advisor or broker dealer. And it will tell you the nature of that claim. So you can actually see at times that an advisor can actually be banned by FINRA or the insurance commission or the SEC. And yet somehow they're still doing business. That's amazing. Yeah. And you have to go searching for this. Right. To understand it. Right. Exactly. Keep going. Keep going. So, so, you know, let me give you an idea of a real example. There, there are a number of organizations that have popped up in recent years claiming to certify advisors as fiduciaries. They are a certified fiduciary. But believe me, it's a major mistake to trust that kind of certification, right? Let me show you an actual case in point. There's an advisor locally who claims on his website to be a certified fiduciary. Sounds official, right? I investigated the advisor a bit when I received an invitation to his lunch seminar where the invitation indicated he's a certified fiduciary. Mm -hmm. So I looked that advisor up on broker check and here's what I found. Well, I did find that the advisor only has a series 65 license. So he's not a dual licensed rep. Okay. Checkbox number one, he's not licensed with a broker dealer. So as such, the SEC regulations require him to act as a fiduciary with all of his clients. But broker check also indicated, here's where it gets good, that he had and was the subject of three disclosures, three claims. And when I investigated those three claims, I learned they were pretty serious. Oh, right. So through broker check, I looked in deeper to see what the nature of the claim was. Now get this, he had to admit in a FINRA required disclosure form that a regulatory agency found him to have made false statement or omission or been dishonest, unfair, and unethical with a client. I don't like the sound of that. I wouldn't write to them. <laughs> right. It was also determined that he had been the cause of an investment-related business having its authorized license, its authorization to do business, suspended, revoked, or restricted. And the icing on the cake that he had to disclose that a regulatory agency disciplined him by expelling and suspending his relationship and membership and barred him or suspended him from association with other members. Then how is he still practicing? Well... What he did was he simply hired other advisors to do the business that he originates. He got around that. He found other states that would license him, even though the state of Florida denied him a license because of some of the things he did. Hmm. Let me share my screen here so that yeah. I can show you exactly what we're talking about. 
this is very interesting. I'll show you what broker check looks like. Mm -hmm. So our audience can take a look at it. If they happen to see the video of this, here's broker check where we've gone down below to investigate the three claims made against this gentleman. You can see the Florida Department of Financial Services here actually denied him a license. This was a denial, notice of denial. And they denied him a license for failing to disclose in the affirmative that regulatory actions were taken. He intentionally failed to disclose that other jurisdictions had taken action against the renewal of his insurance license. Right. And down below, you can see here what the state of Florida, California did, what the state of South Dakota did. Now, here's what's interesting. His current company has to file that form ADV. The form ADV is a disclosure form that the SEC requires us as investment advisors to file every single year. In that disclosure form, you can find out all kinds of information. Have claims been filed? How much money do they manage? And so on. What their relationships are, what their business models look like. And here on that gentleman's ADV, where it says, the question is, has any federal agency, regulatory agency, any state regulatory agency, federal or state, or any foreign financial regulatory authority ever found you to have made false statement or mission or been dishonest, unfair, and unethical. He yes. checked it. Yes, everything is checked. Yes. Right. Have you ever found an advisory affiliate been involved in violation of investment related regulations? Yes. Every one of these very serious, significant questions, he answered yes to. And yet today, if you look at his website, his website shows that he's a certified fiduciary. Certified fiduciary. Explain that, please. What is that? Certified? So it's typically an organization that, for a fee, will have you sign a document that says, I promise to do these things. I promise to put my client's interests first. I promise that if I have a conflict of interest, I'll disclose it. I promise, I promise, I promise. But these are fee-for-service little companies that do nothing but certify you and candidly have no authority to do anything to you if you fail to abide by their by their membership rules. All they can do is expel you. And there's no way that you know if somebody's been a certified fiduciary and now no longer is. There's no database or record to determine that's been done. And so you pay a fee, you sign a form, and they claim you're a certified fiduciary. And basically the title fiduciary doesn't mm -hmm. mean squat. Unfortunately, Patrice, I'm afraid that's the case. It really does not today. You cannot trust an advisor to tell you if they're truly a fiduciary. You can do all these background checks. You can look to see if there's any claims made against them by former clients and what the terms of those claims have been. You can look to see if they're also registered with a broker dealer. What you can do is see who's not a fiduciary. It's pretty easy to determine who's legally not bound to be a fiduciary. Now, look, Patrice, I'm not saying that there aren't some ethical brokers out there that really try to do the absolute best they can for their clients. I will tell you, having seen it from the inside, both with insurance agencies and broker dealers, I've seen the kinds of conflict of interest they generate with their brokers by providing certain incentives, sell this product, 
Here's the incentive. Sell this product during the next six months. Get these bonuses. Qualify for this trip. Those are incentives and benefits that never get disclosed that generate a conflict of interest. They're putting you in products and causing you to purchase services that, in fact, may not be in your best interest. If you're with XYZ Financial Advisor at a strip mall, look to see if any of your investments are XYZ Fund, right? Named after that same broker-dealer. Because I would suggest to you that what you want to do is go to some other websites and test out those mutual funds, for instance, right? Determine what their Morningstar ratings are. You have to do a little digging. You can't trust the fact that they put you in a fund that was created by their broker dealer, where they are in essence at times double dipping, right? They're charging you a fee to manage your investments. Then they're putting you into a fund that they manage where they have internal fees and expenses as well. So you've got to do some extra work to make certain what they're putting you in is for your best interest, that it competes well against the open market, right? And learn what incentives that wealth manager has to put you in that kind of product. I have access to, and I'll share with, with any of our listeners if they request, I have access to an internal memorandum that was sent by the broker dealer associated with one of the world's largest insurance companies. You'd know the name immediately. They have commercials every time you turn around. And in this disclosure, they were talking to registered reps of theirs who also have a CFP, right? Mm -hmm. Certified financial planner, because that designation does require you to act in a fiduciary basis on a fiduciary basis with your clients. Okay. I think that's in direct conflict with being licensed with a broker dealer, but that's for another show. But they literally did an internal memo telling that broker how they should explain away the conflicts of interest they have by being licensed with a broker dealer that is dominated and essentially owned by that insurance company. They gave them a script to talk to their clients about these conflicts of interest, right? And if you don't happen to have a CFP designation, that broker dealer could care less then. They're not giving you the script. They're not telling you how to disclose because you're not obligated to disclose. All right. So in your opinion, John, when someone is looking for an advisor, mm -hmm. should they look for CFP? Does fiduciary mean anything? It doesn't. It really doesn't. I, I think the CFP organization is a wonderful organization. I respect the training and the process that those professionals go through. They really do get additional education. But when you're licensed with a broker dealer or you're a dual licensed rep, candidly, I think that CFP takes a second seat. It shouldn't. I know the organization itself tries to make certain that it doesn't take a second seat. But in all reality, you know, he who controls the purse strings, the broker dealer makes the rules, right? And so I think, unfortunately, you're incentivized in ways and encouraged to play certain products in front of your clients and to in, present certain strategies in front of your clients where candidly, the broker dealer makes the most amount of money. All right. You've really pulled the curtain back on quite a bit here. Yeah. I, I, it's a very disturbing situation, I think. And unfortunately people are searching because they've heard the word fiduciary. They've seen the, you know, the claims you should only work with a fiduciary. But when that happened, when that thought process started to come out that you should only work with a fiduciary, the big banks, the big broker dealers figured out a way to confuse the subject. 
-hmm. And now the SEC is beginning to take actions against them. I've seen them actually filing lawsuits and presenting claims against folks who switch hats. Oh, I'm a fiduciary. Now I'm not a fiduciary. I'm an employee. No, now I'm a fiduciary, you know. And here's, here's what else is interesting. A, a client that just came to us had a rep with one of the very large broker dealers who claimed to be both a fiduciary, but an employee of the, of the broker deal. I said, that's legally impossible. If you are an employee of that organization and that organization does not have an obligation to be a fiduciary, which a broker dealer does not, then you cannot be a fiduciary to that client. Legally impossible. It's just legally impossible. They were using the fact, the claim that they were an employee to say, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you buy. I don't care what service you use. Some were subject to a commission. Some were subject to a fee, bouncing this client back and forth and back and forth like a ping pong ball. Oh, but I'm an employee. I don't really care what you do. Nonsense. Nonsense. It's more confusion intended to confuse the consumer. You say the SEC is starting to take some interest in this. Yes. Is there a solution in the future that you think? You know, I don't think there's a quick solution. I will tell you that the SEC is, is coming down hard on dual licensed, multiple contracted reps. They've initiated recently, a few months ago, major lawsuit that they filed against an advisor. Um, you know, I'm happy to share any of that information with anybody who wants it. I think that if we have anybody out there listening that's interested in de determining if their current advisor is a fiduciary, reach out to us. We, you know, I don't have an ax to grind. I'll show you the report. You don't want to go to broker check. That's okay. We'll go to broker check, run the report, show if there's any claims, let you know if they're dual licensed, let you know where they've bounced around or not, or if they've been with one particular broker dealer or one registered investment advisory firm. We'll give you a report to look at. It's all public information. They can just go to wecanhelpyou.com and indicate they're interested in checking on their current advisor. We'll be happy to provide them with all the report that we can find relative to that public information, particularly on broker check. Well, John, is there any other way that listeners can help you along with the wecanhelpyou.com? Absolutely, Patrice. There's multiple ways they can reach us. On the website, wecanhelpyou.com, they can set an appointment for a Zoom call, a conference call, an in-office call. On that website also, you know, they'll find email address and office phone number. Happy to speak to anybody about any of their questions. And candidly, if they're interested in one of our books, we'd love to give them one of the books. Retire Abundantly is available to folks who are interested in working with ILG Private Wealth, Retire Like a Shark, which I co-authored with Kevin Harrington. We just created another new book, Peace of Mind Planning, that we use specifically and it's designed specifically for successful business owners who are thinking about next steps in succession planning. You know, reach out to us. We'd love to meet them and get whatever material we can to them. Well, I certainly look forward to another episode of your podcast, especially <laughs> with the Angry Advisor again. <laughs> we will have more of these, folks. We will. Absolutely. Like, like and follow this podcast to get the latest show. Know when the latest Angry Advisor is coming your way. And of course, Absolutely. share with others. And thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Financial Leverage Point. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. To contact John, check out the show notes where you'll find his contact information and useful resources from today's episode. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of John Iannucci. 
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.